get your notes out. Pastor Brad's going to come out, and he's going to join me, and we're going to tag team. We're going to do a father and son deal today. Isn't that pretty awesome? And, and what a joy, man, to be preaching on the platform with your son. And uh, so we're going to be doing some teaching and preaching, and uh, we're in a real talk series, and, and so we're going to do some real talking today, all right? So get your notes out, and let's get ready to roll. So, Good morning, by the way. Hey, yeah. guys, doing? Everybody welcome Pastor Brad. All right. So let, let's go into our text. And this is so unusual for me because I'm so not used to preaching and teaching sitting down, okay? But we want to just kind of come into a living room with you because we don't want to preach at you. How many, how many doesn't like being preached at? You like being talked to? Amen. And so we want to talk today. It's called Real Talk. And we want to deal throughout these next several weeks on some real issues that society and people in the church are dealing with on a daily basis. And uh, how many knows the word changes us? And we want to help you help us as we all change together. Let's go right to our text. Let's read it together. May the God of peace himself make you entirely pure. Man, how many would love that? Entirely pure. We talked about that last Sunday, those, those areas of our life that we know are there but we, we want to ignore and entirely pure and devoted to God and make your spirit, soul, and body to be kept strong, which means to be maintained or managed and blameless until the day when our Lord Jesus Christ comes back again. How many's ready to overcome some errors in your life that continually overcome you? And that's what this series is about is let's really dealing with some issues and topics that, that we all deal with every day. All right, and today we want to talk about a topic called perception. Perception. Why is this so important? Because what you see, what you perceive, you believe. Whatever I perceive to be the truth, whether it is or not, I believe it, and I adjust my life accordingly. We're going to do a little illustration. Pastor Brad is going to help us for a second, and and just a little visual so you can really understand what we're going to talk about today. He's going to hold this one over there. And what is that? Let me hear you. Are you sure? Is everyone positive? They can't see it on this side. Is everyone positive that that's the nine? Okay. Now I want to hold it. What is it when I have it? It's a what? It's a what? It's a six. Let me go, there we go. Other way. Other way. <laughs> this is getting complicated. Now what is it? What is it to you guys? What is it to you? What number is that to you? If you're looking at it from this angle, it's a six, right guys? I know all of you passed first grade. What's, okay. what's, what right. is it to you guys? It's a nine. See, they got to figure it out. What is it now? What is it to you? Oh, okay. You still don't know. You're confused because you're in the middle. Yeah, all y'all in the middle are like, it's, right? a, it's an orange thing. And guess what? That's how life operates. It depends on how you see it. We all saw the same thing. It's still here. It hasn't changed. It's just how you look at it. What angle you see it from. 
and who's holding it? And so I want us to look today at this topic called perception. Perception. I love this scripture and it really explains it so well. The Apostle Paul speaking in 1 Corinthians 9 and he makes some powerful comments. He says, it's in your notes. We're not gonna take the time to go on the screen. He said, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And, and what he's saying there is I'm willing to listen and understand those who oppose or they're different from my beliefs without compromising my beliefs as a means that I might understand them and where they are so that I might win them to Christ. He says to the Jew, I became a Jew. He then says uh, to those that are under the law, I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. He said to those that are not having the law, he said I became like one of them as those not under the law or having the law, though I'm free from God's law and I'm under his grace. Then he said, I became weak to the weak so that I can understand their weakness. And then he made a comment. He said, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Let me say what, what's happened today so much in the church is we've already told people outside the church and, and even in our relationships that if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. But this side was seeing a, a, a number one way while this side was seeing it a number, another way and the ones in the middle didn't know where it was at because they were confused because it didn't make sense the way you saw it. And isn't that life that we see it from different perspectives and then we make judgment based on how we see it and we don't take the time to find out why the other person sees it differently. And so I wanna talk about this today called perception. And, and we're gonna talk about some perception shifters because, and, and I want everybody to listen to me today, much of our perception in life is built around comparison comparing ourselves to others. And one of the most dangerous and destructive things you can do is build your life around comparing your life and how you see things compared to somebody else and their life and how they're seeing things. So perception shifters. Number one, the first area of our life that impacts and has influence on our perception is our heritage. Our heritage, how we were raised, and some of us, we have very positive heritage, very uh, godly heritage, and some of us, our heritage isn't that positive. There's a lot of stuff involved in it. And the scripture gives us two quick examples, one of a, a positive uh, heritage that was passed down. It talks, Timothy's talking about it. He said, for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, Paul's talking to Timothy, which first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure that it's gonna be in you as well. But Paul's saying to Timothy, you've got an amazing heritage, and it's been passed from one generation to the other, and your heritage has a direct impact on how you perceive things and how you see things. Then there's the negative. We see that in King Ahaziah, and it says, he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked where? In the way of his faith and in the way of his mother. 
had a negative influence and he walked that perception, that influence out in his life even though it was negative. And our heritage has a direct impact on how we perceive things in life today, how we were raised. It, it comes out inside of us today. And so I wanna just share with you a few areas of how our, our heritage impacts our perception, how we see things, how we get our opinion on things. Number one, our, our heritage impacts our faith. Our heritage, how we were raised. I was raised with a godly mom and dad. I feared my dad more than I did God growing up because dad's the one that had the belt. Come on, anybody with me? It's like I was more concerned about disappointing dad and ticking him off than I was God at that point. Then I got old enough to understand God and he became the one I feared the most. But it was dad in the beginning, right? When he said home at 11, there was no arguing about that. We had a faith in church and, and some of us grew up like that, but some of you, you didn't grow up in church. You didn't grow up with a family like that. And so you didn't have that type of perception we had a different perception. It, it, it involved our righteousness or our unrighteousness, our heritage. Uh, there were things that I did not do growing up. It wasn't that I didn't want God to see me. I didn't want dad to find out. Okay, like I said, so my heritage had a direct impact on my faith, on, on my, my respect for God, on my respect for my parents, on what I did, what I did not do. So I perceive things in the religious realm today Mainly, a big part of that is because of my heritage. And so I look through those lenses. Then we see our social standing, our heritage. Did we grow up with funds? Did we grow up with money? Did we grow up rich? Did we grow up poor? What was the economy in our family? How did that impact us? Because how we grew up is, how we, is what we see through. And so if, if you were like me and you grew up poor, I had an attitude toward rich people. Like, they never had to work a day in their life. Somebody gave them all of that money. And they're the most greedy people in the world. They don't give and don't share with anybody. That's the way I grew up thinking. And then when I got older and got in ministry and our whole ministry went toward the poor, it really got a hold of me because it was hard to get rich people to understand that. And then God let me begin to meet some rich people that had a heart of heaven and I begin to realize that one of the gifts in the spirit and one of the gifts in the body of Christ is a gift of giving. And God blesses certain people that he knows he can trust with resources. And I begin to look through a different lens. I could no longer look through the lens of my heritage. I had to be willing to change and look through the lens of God. But my heritage had an impact on how I saw people. And then our, our political realm, amen? Most of us in here, if your parents are Democrat, guess what you are? If your parents were Republican, oh, can't disappoint them, or independent, and so our whole political perception of politics most often is based on our heritage, and we look through those lenses, and we see people as our enemy, and we make judgment calls on people. How many heard this statement? Well, if they're a Christian, how could they vote like that? Where did that come from? Through my perception. Number four, our environment. Did we grow up with two parents, one parent? Did we grow up in a home of abuse? Did we grow up in a home of love? Our heritage determines that. And so the question that I have with our heritage today is how much of what we govern our life by as human beings is simply a reflection of the perception that's been presented to us through our heritage. 
How much of our life do we govern ourselves by that I haven't even stopped to analyze it and, and look at truth or look at opportunity of change, but I've simply governed my whole life by what was passed down to me and how I judge other people according to the perception that I have because of my heritage. Look at today. He's sitting up here now. This is called Real Talk, and so we've got the graffiti and everything, you know, on all of our signs and all. I was so, wondering if you were going to explain. And you like, <laughs> yeah, so he's in a hood and a hat. So I, was, yeah. I was supposed to wear a hoodie, and I put one on this morning, and I said, my dad will come down from heaven and beat me to death on this platform if I did that. So That's I put a, my shirt back on. You know what problem. I'm saying? You know what I'm right. saying? Like and this. so, but what is that? My, my perception of what I can do is I'm not gonna disrespect my father. And in my relationship with him, he knows he's not disrespecting me because we're doing this intentional. Everything we're doing is intentional. But, but I'm just I using think, that as an illustration to show. I think, I think one of the great things about that too is because we, we just grew up so different. You know, when I think about Pops, which is my grandfather, his dad, it, it, the, his upraising was so strict. I mean, like down to what haircut they were allowed to have. Actually, my upraising was that way until like my mom messed up my hair one time and it turned, it turned into a mohawk. But that's just a completely different story. But, but even in that, like when it came down to ministry and life, um, you know, we were constantly going in. I mean, I remember when, when Pastor pioneered the church in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I remember just going into the ghetto. And I don't just mean like a rundown neighborhood. I'm talking like the ghetto, okay? Like it makes every ghetto in Pensacola look like scenic hills. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just, it, it was, it was, it was rough, man. So I remember, I remember doing ministry just considerably different in that era than when pastor grew up. So when we grew up, we were doing ministry, uh, you know, in the hood, man. And so we learned how to minister effectively, no matter what you were wearing, no matter what you were doing, no matter who you were, if you had the gospel, then you had hope. And if you had hope, you can walk into any hopeless situation and present hope to somebody that didn't have it. It didn't matter what you looked like. Pastor grew up in an era that was just so considerably different, man. Like you gotta wear the tie, you gotta wear this, you gotta wear that, you gotta look this way. And uh, so our, our heritages are different as far as how we respond to my upbringing versus up, his upbringing, even though we have the same family. Does that make sense? So um, it's just considerably different to even look at how heritage affects us in the way we even minister the gospel. Like both are effective, but how we're gonna present it is just completely different. Uh, and young people today are gonna present the gospel in a completely different way. I think what we have to understand with the heritage too in our perception is make sure that we are tying ourselves to the message and not the method, you know? And so um, I think this church is really, really good about that. I mean, we don't get wrapped up in the, in the religiosity of things, I man. We're just wrapped up in the gospel, and that's an amazing thing. So. Here's a quick example. How many one of the first things you saw today was Ryan with a hat on at worship? How my, many of you? Hold on, wife, hold on, hold on. Can I ask a question? How many of you didn't pay attention to that whatsoever, right? Amen. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Perception but, shifters in the house, people. Let, let's be real. My <laughs> wife leaned over at me and said, Did you approve the hat? Because we were, her mom will not wear pants to church. That's like, you're going to hell. Well, she wears a you dress. Going to hell. She wears a dress to church. You know, but <laughs> but that's, that's the heritage we're talking about. And we're being real today because if you're not careful, you will build your faith around that. 
and miss the opportunity of what Paul said. I become all things to all people. I don't compromise who I am in Christ, but I become all things to all people. So that if a hat helps me minister to five people that would come to church with a guy with a hat on, then I'm going to become all things because I don't think God in heaven is that concerned about that. Amen. Okay, I don't Amen. think that's his major issue. Yeah. I think if we are honest and God was looking down in our hearts today, he'll find a whole lot more things more important than a guy with a hat on. You with me? Okay, let's go to so, number two. And so, well, and I was also gonna say, and so throughout the rest of the Real Talk series, one of the things that we're gonna be doing is just like being real on some Sunday mornings. So this week and the next five weeks, man, like if you wanna wear a hat, wear a hat. If you wanna wear a hoodie, wear a hoodie. But we're just gonna kind of get real and have some conversations that I think can help build some character and take us to a Christ-like place. Some of you guys do it anyway, so it's just nothing new for you, right? But uh, So it's, it's just gonna be real. One of the things I did wanna mention too, because uh, we, we forgot to mention this earlier, is we also, we wanna field your questions, right? So like if you have a concern, maybe um, you grew up in the house of God, um, but you wanna know, like you don't understand what the problem is with, with a political standpoint, or maybe you racially see through different eyes. So w from, a, from where you are, um, you know, maybe you're Hispanic, or maybe you're black, or maybe you're, what, you know, maybe you're, you're saying, I'm having a hard time shifting my perception to what I believe the gospel wants it to be. How do I do that? Um, one of the things we want you to do is either on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, we want you to use the hashtag Real Talk TC, um, and give us some of your responses. One of the things that we want to do is also bring in some people. So, um, you know, one, one of the things we're talking about is if you have a question, we have pastors uh, of different races, different generational backgrounds that we are actually talking about. Uh, we're going to bring them in on a Tuesday, film a video, and post it on social media to try to answer some of your questions um, and try to help you guys because we want to see the body move closer to the heart of Christ. Is everyone with us on that? Like, can we agree on that? So, um, that's not a perception thing, that's a Bible thing. And so we just wanna do that, and one of the ways that we can do that um, is by answering and trying to help you guys move for those, some of you that may have a hard time with that. So we wanna try to help that um, as well. So the second thing we wanna talk to you guys about today um, as a perception shifter is culture. Man, and culture is huge in the perception shifting uh, arena. So one of the things that culture does um, is it presents to us a number of different ways that it changes things for us. Number one, uh, we adapt to culture differently through television. Um, and you guys would be shocked at how TV in and of itself can sh start shaping the minds of people. Um, and just media in general, what is permitted. One of the things, especially when I was a student pastor here, dealing with teenagers constantly, um, is having to break down what the culture was saying okay that the Bible says is not okay. And so just because Lady Gaga or Justin Bieber or whoever else that these kids look up to nowadays says that it's cool doesn't mean it's biblical. And so we have to tackle these subjects in a way that helps them understand, like, I don't care what so-and-so said, culture does not dictate what's biblical. And so culture doesn't dictate what's godly. And so just because it's on TV or just because it's on the radio or just because that person's cool right now, it does not mean that we follow them instead of following the word. And so culture doesn't get to dictate what's biblical. Culture has to submit to the Bible if it's gonna be something that's godly. And when we submit to being godly is when we can come under faith and rely on the gospel. We can be transformed and then we can spend eternity with him. But we can't 
be associated with all those things. Romans uh, 12, two, in the Message Bible particularly, I think paints the best picture of this for us to understand. Romans 12, two in the Message says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. In other words, like, Man, that you just follow the waves wherever the sea may take you because the masses are going that way, you're just gonna go that way. But no, without even thinking, instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. In other words, and, and, and here's one thing that I'll just help you guys with because people ask us this question all the time. Well, how do I engage culture? How do I know what the Lord is saying versus what culture is saying? And that's a very easy answer because God has not given us anything new under the sun. Everything he's going to tell you, he's already given you in the Bible, all right? So how does God feel about this? It's already in the word, man. All you gotta do is look for it. And I think that's a huge thing that we have to grab a hold of as believers is it's like, man, we, every, every question we're asking, it should just drive us back to the word, right? And so we fix our attention on God because God's gonna give us those answers. And then it says, you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. And man, that's, that, that's the, the best example that we can give of the culture and how culture continues to try to shift things in our life versus what God wants for us. Yeah, I, when I was at a church, I was assistant pastor of a church in Kentucky, and if you wanna go to a place culture shock, go to Kentucky. I love it, man, the woods and everything, but man, is culture like the force behind everything and uh, I preached a message called Culture Versus Conviction. I thought they were gonna stone me. <laughs> I really did. I mean, it was like silence. I thought I was in a, you know, a mass. And, and their faces looked like they were gonna make a mass out of mine. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but it, because much of our life today, we live out of our culture rather than biblical conviction. That we haven't stopped to look at what does God have to say about this issue We've let our culture define how we see things, and it, it takes us down a very, very dangerous road. And as a church that's very diverse in every aspect of life, we want to con constantly challenge us and you that we don't even create, we want to create a culture here that is um, an antidote, I guess I would say, to what's been there so long that's harmed so many of us. You know, the church was very good at saying, when you look like us, talk like us, act like us, sing like us, do like us, you're welcome here. Dress like us. Excuse me? Sorry, nothing. Yeah, and wear hats like a, you know, and, and we in a culture that excluded people rather embraced people. Right. And, and we wanna be a culture that's very embracive, not compromising, but embrace, but, but welcoming, embracing people and, and seeing and not letting our culture block other people out. We gotta be very careful with that. And culture is not always race. It can be so many different things that create our culture. And so we, we've gotta be very, very careful that as human beings, we go back to the scripture where Paul said, I become all things to all men so that I might win some that everybody doesn't have to fit into your and my way of doing it or thinking, but that we open ourselves up to hear not how someone feels or acts, but why do they feel and act that way? 
what, what creates that feeling within them. That's good. Okay? That leads us to number three, the third area that, that impacts our perception, and that's our personal experience, what we've experienced in life, and how many will acknowledge we, that life is the uh, greatest teacher, The most important, impactful professor in your life has been your life experience. We must learn that we all went to the same school, we just grew up in different classrooms. And in each classroom was a different experience. And so we must take time to understand not the what and not the how of people, but the why. Because many of us, we perceive things through different eyes and different experiences because of our personal experiences in life, and that's how we see other people. I, I shared Sunday, uh, last Sunday, I tried to be very transparent without getting into too much detail, but I had a horrible experience as a 12-year-old boy in my life, and that experience, I saw everyone through. For years in my life, I saw everyone through that pain. I had so many people come up to me and go, oh, Dan, give it to God, just get over it. I'm like, until you've walked in my shoes, don't tell me to get over it, because I can't. How many had people tell you that? You went through a traumatic thing, and you're like, yeah, just get over it. Well, until you've been where I've been, you don't know. You don't just get over it. You got to get free from it. And, and, and growing up, I looked at, perceived everyone and everything through the pain of my experience. Everything I looked at growing up, I saw through that pain. I saw through those lenses. But today, because of that, I look through that painful experience differently and I have the honor of ministering to literally hundreds of pastors that are broken and hurting because now I see that experience in a different way. I don't see it as something that's destroying me. I see it as something that now has developed me into a better person that now I can help other people that other people, they don't wanna listen to someone that hasn't had that experience. Are you with me? And, and then we look at the racial division in our nation today. And, and, and why, why, why are we so divided? Because we're looking through different lenses, right. different perception. Let, let me just throw out a couple. Boy, we're gonna walk on some dangerous territory here. I may Pastor, have 50 people back next week. Pastor, can I, and can I touch yeah. on that? I think one of the things that was super helpful, uh, many of you were here last, uh, on the first Wednesday from last month when Pastor Aaron James from Relevant Life was with us. And, um, he really touched on somewhat of the racial divide that's, that's kind of set into our country a little bit. Um, one of the things that was super helpful because I, 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 in my, my closest brothers that I have in the entire world is uh, Pastor Aaron James from Relevant Life and Pastor Tyler Burns from New Dimensions and uh, both of them are black. And, and so I remember sitting down with them and I just said, man, help me understand, like what am I missing? Right. As a white guy who grew up uh, in, you know, in the suburbs, I, I made some terrible decisions that took me down some rough roads, but it's, it's not a part, it's something that I can choose to not do and therefore not deal with the consequences. Does that make sense? And one of the things that they were explaining to me uh, and that they helped me understand, especially as, as minorities, um, is that they said, this is something that we can't take off. And they said, the struggle that we go through, we can't take that off. So, you know, if, you, if I put on tighter pants and I put on a button-up shirt and I comb my hair real nice, 
I, as a person that's not a minority, can take on a more professional appearance and therefore be viewed differently in the eyes of a person I'm trying to get employment with, a police officer, a government official. Um, they said, we can't take black off. And, I, and it was just... <laughs> I, and I said, was that a black sister? Yeah, I, I, I already know who that was. Uh, and so I just, I remember, and I remember going, I, I get that. And it took me back to a point, and I just, I, I know I'm trying to hurry, but it took me back to a point. I was, I remember I was 13 years old, and me and a bunch of my buddies were skateboarding at the, at the mall. And back a while back, there used to be a billiards place, like, we, you know, a pool place in the mall. So we had our book bags with us because we were skateboarding. And so I walked through the store um, and we just looked at a few things and we were getting ready to leave. I was, I, at that time, I was playing tournaments. I was playing pool tournaments and stuff. So I, I played a lot. And so we just looked at a few things and we were leaving. The guy walks up, he grabs me by my neck and grabs my book bag, yanks it off of me, dumps it on the table, calls mall security. Um, that goes through this whole thing because um, he thought I stole something. Um, and I remember from that point on, every time I walked into a store, whether it was a gas station, whether it was a clothing store, I was always very aware of where I put my hands. I was always very aware to make sure that I wasn't being awkward as far as making weird eye contact with people or trying to avoid eye contact with people. Or, you know, if we were going to the store, I would leave my book bag in the car. I was always aware of that because I'm not going to use the word traumatized because it wasn't that drastic, but it, it made a mark on me at a very young age of being aware of something that I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to be aware of, but because of the way people are gonna see me, I'm aware of it. And, and when they were talking, it took me back to that point, and I said, but you know what? I can leave the book bag in the car, but they can't leave the race in the car. And it was a way of shifting my perception of, man, it's not that big a deal. The world has changed. The country's not, it's not the 1950s anymore. Everything's fine to, man, you know, it's fine in some places, but in a lot of places it's not. And that was a perception shifting, but it was, I was able to reflect it back to my personal experience and say, hmm, I can see how you can think that way walking into a store or walk or getting pulled over by a police officer or any of those things because I think differently when I walk into a store because of what happened to me. Um, and I think those things are key. Yeah, one of the phrases that come out has come out through all the and let me say the number one enemy of America is not Russia and it's not Iran, it's our media. They're supposed to present the news, not create it. And, and so always remember that. Don't believe about 99% that you hear because it's mostly a lie. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> oh, I was laughing. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, the phrase come out, white privilege. And when that phrase comes out to the black person, they go, yeah, that happens every day because they're looking through a lens of generations of injustice and, and abuse and misuse, they're, and, and rightfully so. And especially when you get into the judicial system, uh, it's horrible. And so there, there is, when you look through those lens, there's a white privilege. When I hear white privilege, you might as well cuss me out. Because when I was 13 years old, I was picking fruit. You know, we were so poor, our chickens leaned against the barn, you know. <laughs> and, and so from 13 to 15, I picked fruit. And from 15 to 17, I hung, I, I roofed because my dad was almost decapitated and my brother and I literally worked after school to pay our bills for over a year. 
And, and then from 16 to 17, 18, I hung drywall. I've worked all my life. And then when I went to college, I was in a dorm room that had six people in it. I was the only white person. Everybody else was minorities, and they were on full grants, and I couldn't get one because I was the wrong color, and their parents made more than mine. So when you say white privilege to me, I'm going when and where. I'm, I'm being honest with you because I'm looking through my lenses right. of my experience, experience. and rightfully so. And this is what we're wanting to say today. There's a six and there's a nine. It's which way are you looking at it? But don't condemn and hate the other person because they're looking through their real experience. My brother Tim over there, he's black. We talk openly and, and become great friends. And he's gonna look through that experience and that lens of, yeah, Dan will never, and I will never understand. I will never, and so I tell people this all the time. I will never understand what it's like to be a black man because I can't. But what I can do is sit down and talk and build relationship and, and listen and understand why my black brother sees through the lens that he sees through, and then I can become a Paul and go, I'm gonna become all things to all men. And rather than allow those differences because the six is still a six and the nine's still a nine, we're just coming from different experiences in life and we need to learn to appreciate each other's experience and, and become and grow uh, stronger through them and closer through them versus allowing them to separate us and, and take us apart. Does that make sense to you? The Black Lives Matter movement. A white person's going, I don't get that. A black person's over here going, finally somebody's paying attention and speaking up. And, 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 and so we, what we've gotta do is understand that all of us are looking through our own experience. We perceive life through our own experience, right. our heritage, and, and then our culture, and now our experience, and we've gotta be willing to appreciate the other person because they're not making this up. That's who they are, that's what they see, and that's how they really feel. And so I need to become all things to them so that I'm not judging them by their feelings. I'm gonna take on that feeling myself. Remember last week to secure? Someone means you take on their name, you take on their guilt, you take on their victory, you take on their loss, you take everything about them. And that's what we need to begin to do in the body of Christ and understand because I see it differently doesn't mean they're wrong. Amen. Does that make sense to you? And so the, the next one, the last one we wanna give you guys today is of perception shifters. And this is just, man, this is, this, uh, this perfectly wraps it up and it's the gospel. And so, so many things in our life, man, are shifted by, you know, our heritage. So many things are shifted by um, culture. So many things are shifted by our personal experience. But this is the one where we have to force ourselves to be shifted. So the first three are things that shift us naturally, and oftentimes we don't even recognize it. We're not even paying attention to it. But this last one is something where it has to shift you, and you have to allow yourself to be changed and moved by it, and that's the gospel. Um, one of the things that, and I think that we have to do is make sure that we allow it to shape, literally shape our personal worldview. How do we see the world? How, so how do we reflect on our personal experience based on what the gospel says, right? How do we 
engage our culture? How do we view the Lady Gagas of the world and the Justin Biebers of the world, or for some of you, the Pink Floyds of the world? Like I know, I know some of y'all are back there. So, uh, like, whatever. Like, how do you? How Doobie do you? Brothers, how do you, Doobie <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> so how do you? How do you allow the the gospel to shape how you view those people, and also how do you allow the gospel to shape your heritage? How do you go in and pinpoint some of those things? So allowing it to shape our personal worldview. And here's an, here's a concept that I want to introduce to you. Every opinion that you have, where does it come from? Like that's, that's the question that I have for so many of us. If you have an opinion, if there's something that you're built on, if there's a, a personal standpoint that you're taking, can you take it back to the book, chapter, and verse of the Bible? You have an opinion you feel so strongly about. Listen, I love the red, white, and blue, all right? I love America. I love this country. I love what it's done for us. But if your patriotism means more to you than the gospel, you're wrong. I don't care how you were raised. If your fundamental heritage is more important to you than the gospel, you're wrong. If you love your culture and your opinion more than you love the gospel, you're wrong. And people have come to us so many times, well, I just don't really agree with it. That's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. It's just the wrong one. I love being right, don't you? Right. I just love being right. I'm just saying, like, and we have to, we have to grab a hold of that, man, because like we, in the church, uh, there's, it has crept in this idea that you can feel the way you want to feel about what the Bible says, and that's okay. No, it's not. Like what part of reading the Bible have any of us came across a scripture and it pinpointed something in our life and we said, uh, yeah, you know, but I don't wanna change that so I'm not gonna. No, 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 no. When it says we change, we change. Why? Because Christ doesn't assimilate to us. We assimilate to the scripture. Like we have to become what the scripture is telling us to become. But what the church has done is tried to take the message and shift it so that we can say, no, 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 like you, you're just, you're good the way you are. Like you can just, you know, like come the way you are. Yeah, the scripture says that, come the way you are. But nowhere in the Bible does it say stay the way you are. And so all of us, me, pastor, all of us have to change to become more like Christ when we identify those things that the word says in us don't need to be there anymore. And so in that, the gospel does a number of things. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. In other words, you take your opinion you reflect it to what the Bible says, and if the Bible says you're wrong, then you're wrong, and you change it so that you can obey Christ. Now, I know that doesn't get preached a lot because there's a whole lot of health, wealth, and prosperity stuff going on, and that's coming in the weeks to come, but whatever. So, but what I'm saying is we have to be shaped and changed and formed by the word of God, and what the gospel says should be coming alive to us because the truth is, and this is so important, the truth is, is somebody made that six and nine back there, right? Like it didn't just out of thin air, like someone made it, pastor made it, right? When he drew it, he drew it as a six or a nine. But the only person that knows whether it's a six or a nine is who? Person looking at it. The creator. 
Can I give you like some insight? How we view the world, there is a right way to view the world. There is a perception that is right. And the only one that knows is the creator. And so we have to bring ourselves to a place where when we see things, we don't just see them through our heritage, we don't just see them through our culture, we don't just see them through our personal belief, but we see them through the gospel. We see them the way God sees them. So when we're looking at a brother who's not the same color as us and they have an opinion, we don't just voice our opinion back. Well, that's stupid. I don't agree with what you're saying. No, 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 no. We became all things to all people so that we might save some. We, so we reflect ourselves. We take every opinion captive so that we can obey Christ. What does that mean to obey Christ? Well, he said to love our brother. How are they gonna know that we're followers of Christ? By our love for one another. So what do we do? We take our thought captive. We obey Christ and we choose to love one another so that the world will see that we're followers of Christ. And so we have to take those thoughts captive, harness our opinion. Are you allowed to have one? Yes, but when it doesn't line up with the word, the Bible, the gospel now becomes the driving force behind what you think more so than anything else. And we have to harness that, man, because we are damaging the world around us when we think that our opinion is more lofty than the Bible. Christ died so that we could see some saved. And we're arguing over whether or not our opinion is right. We're arguing over who did the right thing or who did the wrong thing or who sees the world the right way or who sees the world the wrong way or whether or not they should be struggling with that or whether or not they can't struggle with that or whether or not homosexuality is a sin or whether God permits it or what. Like we're struggling with all of these things instead of pointing people to the cross, man. How has our perception changed? It changes when we fall under Christ and we submit all things to Jesus. If you only hang out with people that think like you, you will never change your perception about those who don't. That's why small groups are so important. That's why relationships are so important. Because I've heard people go, well, I don't know if I wanna go to that group because I'm." Not really like anybody in there. That's the one you need to go to. Because <laughs> you need to learn how to think and understand why people think like they do. And, and everything we've said today is not for you to disagree with what you see and how you see things. It's to appreciate how someone else sees it too. It's not that I'm wrong in my perception and everything. It's that I need to quit judging somebody else's whose perception is different than mine and get to know why they see it different than I do so that we can all become all things to all people. Someone, uh, a pastor called me the other day, the, this election is costing me split his church. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. And he said, did you lose anybody over this? I said, not that I know of. I said, but I said, we don't talk presidents on my pulpit. We talk kings. You know, we don't talk personalities. We talk savior. Amen. And if somebody leaves over that, then you know, I can't stop that. And we've got to be careful today that this whole message is about real talk, is that as we're going in one direction as the body of Christ, the world's going in an opposite. And they're trying to divide us and separate us more and more hate, more division, more this. And as a church family, I want us to be a body of Christ that's constantly looking at a way to understand each other better, to appreciate each other better and more. 
as we look not only through our eyes, but we learn to look through the eyes of those that are around us and understand them so that we can become as a church family, all things to all people, that we might win some to Christ. Amen. How many receive God's word today? How many receive it? Amen. Let's pray together. And how many, as, as you sit there, you would say, okay, this got me today. Simple, simple teaching. But I've been looking through a tunnel vision, just the way I see things. And, and I have to be honest today, God, I've let my perception of things create division, walls, judgment. But today you've opened my eyes to some things. And, and today I want to get better. I want to start understanding people. I want to become all things to all men so that I can win some. How many would raise a hand and say, that's me today. God's opened my eyes to some things and I'm going to see differently. I'm going to walk differently. You can put your hands down. How, how many here right now would say, Pastor Dan, today I, I need step one in my life. I need Jesus. And, and today through my experiences in life and, and maybe your heritage or whatever, you find yourself not where you need to be with Jesus today. You say, first thing I need to do is get things right with him. And today, I want to commit my life to Christ. And today, I want you to pray for me. And if that's you, you say, I just need to give everything to Jesus today. Through my heritage, through my upbringing, through mistakes, through decisions I've made, I find myself where I don't want to be spiritually. But today, I want to come home to him. I want to accept him today in my life. Pray for me. If that's you, would you slip a hand up wherever you sit? God bless you. You can put your hand down. I just want to pray for you. I want to pray a prayer with you. And maybe you're online and you need to make that decision today. We want to pray with you also. And so I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you raise your hand or you did not, you need Christ in your life. And we're going to pray it with you. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word that I could come to you. I could confess and believe and I can receive. And so right now, Lord, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a brand new person. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap.